Revelation chapter 3, and, and, and this is the question we're going to be asking ourselves this morning is, are we just faking it? Are we just faking it? You can be very active in your Christianity and very faithful in your activity and yet not be experiencing the life that God has for us. And that's what was going on at this church at Sardis. It's a, just a few verses, probably the shortest of the letters, but gets right to the point. It says in verse 1 of chapter 3, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. By the way, that's Jesus, okay? And he's the one that is speaking. That's why we say this is more than just opinions. And he says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I've not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have, uh, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are we just faking it? This church had gotten real good at faking it. When we say faking it, what's, what's the it? Faking what? Faking life. Faking the presence of God. We were just, just singing about that. They, they were faking it. You see, there is... There is the reality of the, the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere, and he is with us no matter where we go. But the Bible talks about more than just the omnipresence of God, just the fact that God is everywhere. When you read these about the lives of these people in the Bible and how they lived, they, at times in their life, they experienced the presence of God. It wasn't just that God was everywhere, it's that God was with them. It wasn't just that, that God uh, uh, spoke to some people, it's that God was speaking to them. God was leading them. God was convicting them. God was judging them. God was encouraging them. God was comforting them. They were experiencing the presence of God. So we know that God is everywhere. The question is, are we experiencing the reality of his life and his presence with us? That's really what's going on here. and That's what they were faking. He, he talks about they have a name that they are alive, that they, there is life there. And he even talks about, uh, Jesus says, I will come upon you. It's not that he wasn't already there, but he's talking about come upon you in a, in a different way, in a judging way is really what he's talking about there. And then he, he talks about, in verse 4, about those that will walk with him, that, that that's the, the promise, that's what they needed, is they needed to be walking with him, experiencing his presence uh, there. Because when you talk about really having life in a church and in us, we're talking about the presence of God. He is the life. It's him. I'm afraid all too often the 
We talk about slogans. Some church's slogan could be like Jacob's slogan when he was at Bethel the first time when he said, surely the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is with us. Matter of fact, if you open up the Word of God this morning, He was there as well. If you didn't, you missed out on it. But you can meet with Him this afternoon. You can experience the presence of God. You know, what's amazing is as, as we're going through our Bible reading and, and reading through the Old Testament as well as, as the New Testament, uh, I'm, I'm personally, I'm already in the book of Acts and, and reading through and in the, in the Old Testament as well and looking at it and, and how God worked and how these people experienced the presence of God. In Exodus chapter 33 is where we have a, a, a unique and special encounter and, and it really sheds some light on what we're talking about here today. This is after the, the children of Israel. You remember uh, when Moses went up on the mountain and was with God, they decided they'd make their calf and say, this is the God that, you know, and, and, and it was a bad thing. And, and so this in Exodus 33 is right Right after that has happened, and God judged them for, for what they had did and sent some judgment upon them. And, 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 and so and then Moses interceded, and the judgment stopped. And, and so here's Moses, and, and God is speaking to Moses, talking about experience in the presence of God. And this is what God says after that. He says, he talks about the people being stubborn there, and he says, i tell you what, I promised I would, I would, uh, that you would go to the land, that there was a land that was awaiting you, and I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you on to the land. I'm going to keep my promise, and you're going to get the land, but I will send my angel with you, and, and he'll protect you, and he'll give you victory in that, but I'm not going with you. But I'm not going with you. I won't be among you as you go. And Moses, his heart is broken. And he goes into the tabernacle of God and he meets with God and he prays and he intercedes. And the people are, are, are concerned and they're grieving outside. And, and Moses is, is expressing their heart even after they've sinned. But Moses is pouring out his heart and Moses says this. He says, if your presence does not go with us, then I don't want to go. I'd rather have your presence in the wilderness than a land flowing with milk and honey. I want you. And we won't go without you. Oh, how God wants to hear that in the lives of his people today. That we desire him more than his blessings. That we desire him more than good times that we desire him more than anything and you know what the Bible says we can have him we can have the presence of God we can experience the presence of God in our lives if we want it if we want it we can have it if we don't want it we won't get it so let's look at this church at Sardis Let's allow the Holy Spirit to look deep into our own hearts and our own lives. Because you see, the, the Lord of the church, He is the Lord of the presence. 
He is a, a, a Lord of presence. He is a Lord that is with us. And it, even as it describes him here, it doesn't use the word presence, but we know that our Lord is, an, is a relational God. He is a present God. He wants to work in our lives. He wants us to experience his presence and, and, and hear him and walk with him. And, and that's how it's de- our, our, our life with Christ is described. It's described as a, as a relationship with him. And here, and when he's described, it's, it's interesting how he's described because it really... It, it, if we understand what he is saying here and who he is, it is speaking of this present Christ, the present Lord. It says, first of all, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God. Now, when it talks about the seven spirits of God, it's not talking about the word spirit there is, is capitalized because it is a reference to the Holy Spirit of God. And it's, it's not saying that there are seven different Holy Spirits. That's not what he's saying. What is he saying here? Seven is the idea of perfection. And oftentimes when it's used in prophecy or apocalyptic literature, that's what it symbolizes. It symbolizes perfection. And it is letting us know that the Spirit of God is the perfect God. It says, and it uses a number there in describing him just to let us know that it is the same Spirit wherever we are. The same Spirit is working in us. It's the same Spirit that is working in other churches that are, are meeting right now. It's the same Spirit that was working across this globe as churches were meeting and worshiping uh, earlier today. It's the same spirit that will meet in other churches that are yet to meet and doing it. It's the same spirit that will be with those on mission today, sharing the gospel in places at parades like at Mardi Gras parades like in South Mississippi. It's the spirit, it's the same spirit that is, is working and he works everywhere. He is ever present wherever we go. The spirit of God is the present God with us. And when he is present, he is perfectly present. He's perfectly present. He's perfect in his activity. He's perfect in his instruction. That's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the present God. That's what Jesus said. He said, I'm going away, but you're not going to be left alone. God will be with you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You will have a helper. You will have a, a comforter, a, a comforter and, and it will be better for you that I go because he will be with you and he will empower you. You will not be alone. That one that is with us is the same one that Jesus described in John 7 as the living water that flows through us. That's where life comes from. It comes from the present spirit of God. That's who he is. And not only do we see the present spirit of God, but we also see the present voice of God. As he says, he's not only the one that has the seven spirits of God, but has the seven stars. Now, We've already talked about the stars earlier, that those stars are the messengers. They are the, the angels, the messengers to the church. In other words, he, he emphasizes here that he is the one that gives the message. The stars are the messengers. He has a message. He has a voice. He speaks all throughout. I mean, you read the Old Testament, you see, and the Lord said, and the Lord said, and you read there of, of the life of Jesus, and you hear God speaking. You'll hear Jesus speaking. You'll hear the Holy Spirit speaking. You look through the book of Acts, and there's the Holy Spirit speaking and leading uh, his people, and Jesus speaking and, and leading his people there. And so God is a God who speaks, and if we will tune our heart to him, if we want to hear him, we can hear the voice of God. We have the word of God. And listen, this is more than just a book. It is the voice of God to us. 
And he speaks to us. And we lay this book aside and we neglect our relationship with the Spirit and are not being filled and led by the Spirit, then we're missing out on the experienced presence of God. Because He is Lord of the presence. He's a present Lord. Now what's addressed in this church is the pretend presence. See, we can experience the Lord of the presence or we can pretend. We can fake it. That's what he says there in verse 1. He says, you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. You see, we can quench the Spirit. We can grieve the Spirit. We can resist the Spirit, and we can fake it. We can fake it. You understand that God is real. And that's, hopefully you understand that and know that, not because the preacher is saying that. Have you experienced the presence of God? Are you experiencing the presence of God in, in your life right now today? The presence of God is real. The Bible tells us that it is real. That's my testimony. I mean, I encountered God as a, as, as a teenager in the eighth grade there that, that I'd been raised up going to church. I'd, I'd seen the faith of my parents, but, but their faith wasn't the same as my faith. And, and God showed up and, he, and he, he, he impacted my life and showed me what I was missing in my life, this relationship with Him and how I needed forgiveness and, and I needed a relationship with Him. And He entered my life. And, and then uh, as I was uh, in, in a freshman in college there, God began speaking to me. And, and He was speaking to me before, but He began sp speaking to me specifically about the calling in my life, even to the point that I, had to, I gave up baseball so I could hear from God. And He spoke to me and called me into His ministry and called me to, to serve Him and to preach the gospel. And, and then when I was a, a intern after my freshman year there after God had called me I, I was able to go and be around people that that were tuned into God and learn from them and and begin to learn how to hear God speak in your quiet time and through the word of God and he began speaking even more into my life and and then in ministry was God would lead and I could go on and on about time after time and at, at the uh brother uh The, now I'm trying to blank at, at a pastor's conference where God spoke into my life and, and, and changed me and seeing God work on the mission field and, and, and hearing God speak. And, and, and God is a God of presence. We can fake it if we want to. We can go through the motions. And I've done that at times in my life where I've just done what was expected of me, done what, what people would look at my life and say, well, that's a person that's walking with God and pretend like I'm walking with God when it hasn't been real but oh I've experienced the times when he was there and he was speaking in my life and leading my life and I want what's real and he is real religion and rules will separate you from the presence of God they make God distance and you can fake it with religion and rules if you want to Or you can have the real deal. Because we can fake it, but we can also find it. And by it, I mean him. We can find him. If we've left our first love, like talks about in Revelation chapter 2 with the 
church at Ephesus, we can return to our first love. Here he gives five, quickly five commands that he gives. And and understand this, this is not a magic formula. This is not legalistic steps. This This is a relationship with God. And notice, but he gives these five commands. First is wake up. He says there in verse two, he says, be watchful. Be watchful. The idea of being watchful is the idea of being awake and alert. Realize where you are. Be awake to where you are. If you aren't experienced in the presence of God, don't pretend like it. Be honest with God and come before God and seek his presence. Realize who he is and, and what you can have in him and, 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 and pursue him. Wake up. Not only wake up, but build up. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. The idea, uh, if we're going to strengthen our relationship, with God, then we've got to die to self. We've got to tear down me. We've got to build up him. And we've got to be desperate for him to do whatever it takes, even to the dying of ourselves. Wake up, build up, look up. He says there, remember, in verse 3 is the, the third command. He says, remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. We need to remember. By remember, we say, well, that's not looking up. That's looking back. But what are you looking back at? You're looking back at the work of God. You're looking back at those times in the presence of God. So as you're looking back, you better be looking up. Looking up to him, looking up to the, the one that cares for us. Have you listen, if you do not are not experienced in the presence of God and you have ever experienced the presence of God, you ought to be missing him. What's missing in our lives? He's missing. And when I say him, I'm not talking about that he's gone. He's he's present. We're just not experiencing his presence. Like we should. Look up, take up. He says in verse 3, there, uh, to not only remember, but to hold fast. Let go of everything but him. Take hold of him. Seize him. Spend time in his word and meet with him. And take hold and seize and hold on to everything that he says. And then move up. Repent. Repent is not just moving, getting out of what's down, but in order to get out of what's down, get out of what's pulling us down, we got to move up. It's not just turning from our sin. It's not just asking forgiveness of sin, but it is moving toward him. It's moving from self and toward him. Let me ask this application question. What if right now you could have everything that you want? Would it be him? Oh, I want better this. I want better that. I want this to change. Until we get to the point that all we want is him, we won't get him. See, like I said, this is not a magic formula. This is not legalistic steps. This is, this is a relationship. I mean, I've... I've been walking with him and, and just, just out walking and praying and, and experiencing his presence and hearing his voice. I, I've, I've, I've been in my chair in the morning just reading the word of God and God speaks and, and we ex, I experience him. I've been 
teaching and preaching the word of God and, and, and God moves in and, and I experience his presence, his work in my life. I, I've even done funerals and, and in the midst of a funeral, something different happens. God shows up and, and, and begins ministering in, in, in ways that no man can, can ever do. I've, I, I've been in, the, in the hospital rooms and ministering to families and ministering to individuals and all of a sudden God moves into the room and things change and, 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 and there's, there's comfort that wasn't there before. I've been in this altar right here in this sanctuary and, and, and felt the presence of God and heard the voice of God. We need to be moving to Him. We can find Him if we will seek Him with all our hearts. And then what does that look like? It looks like an experience of His presence. Real quickly here, He just mentions a few things. One is purity. You need purity. You need cleansing. You need holiness. It is found in the presence of God. There in verse 4, he talks about you have a few names, even Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white. White is the idea of purity. He talks about in verse 5 about being clothed in white garments, talking about cleansing. And, and that's how it works. We, we, our, our hearts, we get our hearts right and we begin to desire him. And as we desire him, that, that dross comes up and we confess and we, we ask for forgiveness. And as he does that, his presence comes in and it is his presence that makes us holy and pure. It's not our confession. Our confession just gets rid of the things that are separating us from experiencing his presence. And, and then he moves in and he makes us holy. Purity. And then worthy. Wow. Notice he says here in verse 4, he says, And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. I put a question mark by this because that... that <laughs> I know me, and that bothers me to say, because I'm say that because I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But let me tell you what. Maybe this will make you understand it a little better. Is that when Jesus was facing the cross, he looked at me and he looked at you and said, They are worth it. They're worth it. That's the Jesus that calls us into his presence. We're not filled up with pride and ego. We're filled, we're filled with brokenness and humility. But we're filled with the love of God. That he sees us as worth it. And he desires us. And I tell you what, that'll bring victory. He brought, says in verse 5, he who overcomes. He who overcomes personal victory is found in the presence of God. And not only that, but as we walk in the presence of God, it impacts, it spreads that victory. Our victory and our walking with God impacts those around us and points them to God. It, it speaks of eternity. He talks about the, the book of life there. I will not blot out his name from the book of life. We will be with him forever, eternally in his presence. And then we are his. He says, but I will confess his name before my father and his angels there. You see, he says, I, I know my sheep they belong to me. I know them. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He, and we belong to him. We will be with him because we are his. That's the experience of the presence of God. Do we have real life? You want the presence of God? The presence of God fills hearts that are hungry and humble. Hungry and humble. Those that want it 
and those that are willing to die to self to get it. And it is Him. It is Him. It comes through prayer.